Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. It's a good day to be in God's house. Who's ready to get into the Word? If you have a Bible this morning, would you open it up to uh, the book of Numbers, chapter 22? And uh, it's a good day to be in church. We're looking good. Second service, ready to roll. Ready to roll a little bit. Well, if you were with us last week, we started off this new series, and we're going to kind of run this through Halloween and run this through the month of October, but it's a series we titled uh, The Unknown. And we, we, we took it from... 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16, you know that verse that talks about how all Scripture is useful, all Scripture is God-breathed. And yet I find myself thinking when we wrapped up our series on the, the Ten Commandments and you know this, we had a series on heaven, I found myself thinking if, if all Scripture is God-breathed and useful, then why is it that we tend to skip so much of it? Have you ever thought about that? Seems like if you've been in church long enough, we, we, we tend to stick to the Gospels, Right? We always make sure we cover the, the necessary things around holidays. Um, we, we talk about the Ten Commandments and different things. We love David and Goliath type stories. But the thing about the Bible is all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is useful. And it is full of those big stories, those amazing stories that we need to dive into. But it's also full of these some small stories, some, some little ones. And the thing about Scripture is every book deserves our time. Every book deserves our attention. Every, every book deserves our observations because the whole purpose of Scripture is everything is leading to and pointing to the ultimate hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. All right. So last week, this series brought us to the book of Numbers chapter 22. Numbers chapter 22. And we looked at a story of a prophet and we, we call this, this story uh, a prophet out of sync, a prophet out of sync, out of touch with the Lord. And we're going to pick up this story. If you have your Bible, Numbers chapter 22, and let's look at verse 13. And do you have a smartphone? You can pull up scripture in your notes. Anybody got that ready? You can pull it up. We can pull up our sermon notes and make sure all, everything you can find there. So, so jump into that. But let's read this story, God's instructions to this man called Balaam. I like to call him Balaam. I don't know if it's a Nevada or Nevada type thing, but I, I, I'm just going to go with Balaam. Are you okay with that? All right, well, let's read this scripture. There were some pretty clear instructions. Here it is. Read it with me in the word. It's, the Lord said, Balaam, you shall not go with them. Balaam, you shall not curse the people. For they are blessed. Remember this moment in Scripture, a little context from last week, was the Israelites had just left Egypt and basically left the world superpower at the time in shambles. Egypt has, was decimated when they left. Their economy, their firstborn, everything, their army. The Israelites have left Egypt and now they're making their way across the plains. There was no interpretation needed. These enemies wanted the prophet Balaam to curse God's covenant people. 
something, <laughs> something God was, will not do, will never do. After receiving these clear instructions not to go, there was a, a first group of ambassadors sent from King Balak. And uh, basically, we could say King Balak, he decides to up the ante. He doesn't want to take no for an answer. Notice this is, not only is this a payout, not only is this a bribe, he's saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to pay you. He doesn't want to take no for an answer, so he sends another group of ambassadors. This next group is more distinguished. They are more wealthy. They're more connected. They have more status. There's something about this next group of ambassadors that it, it makes Balaam pay attention a little bit. I think that the king of Moab found Balaam's weakness. That weakness was status and money and prestige. So Balaam, like all good followers of the Lord, right? And sometimes even our kids, kids in the house, it's family Sunday. Any kids in the house? Say, hey, we should have some kids in that. Come on, kids, say, hey, I know mine are, right? There we go. Kids, this is something your parents just love it when you do this. When they give you a clear answer, like they're like, like, hey, can I eat that cookie? Whatever it is, right? And your parents clearly say, no, you shall not open that cookie jar and eat the cookie. No more Oreos for you, right? Your parents just love it when you keep on asking them, don't they? Don't they love that? Isn't that a, like your parents love it? Right? <laughs> Not really, right? God the Father is the same way. It's like Balaam didn't get the answer he had wanted, so they offer him more and more stuff. And so he says, you know what? I think I'm going to pray about this again. Even though God told me no, I'm going to ask him again just to see what he says because my heart really wants to hear a different response. Right? Have you ever done that at church? Have you made the mistake of taking an issue before the Lord when you already know the Lord's will on the manor, right? Let me explain, like, have you ever prayed about, I remember like, like, have you ever prayed about something that it's, it's already clear in scripture, um, it's already clear uh, it, it, either through prayer or through, through, through scripture, but, but you, you still wanna keep praying about it, right? That girl is just so smoking that I wanna date her, right? Even though she doesn't love the Lord, God, should I date her? Right? Or that guy is so handsome, whatever it is, right? Something that we desire that you know is not of God's plan, not of God's will. And we've all been guilty of that from time to time. We get our answer or we know God's will. We know scripture on the subject matter, yet we want to pray about it anyways. Balaam was very interested in this prestige, this power, this second group of ambassadors that the king sent from Moab. But I think it's interesting, Balaam didn't dare go outside of God's clear instructions. Balaam was smart enough to know that God was never going to bless this direct disobedience. But I want to look at something Balaam does because he does something that I think is a big warning for each of us. He, he leaves the door open just a little bit, right? When it comes to sin, he leaves the door cracked. He doesn't just slam the door shut and lock it, right? He, he kind of, he leaves an opening. He gives the enemy a footholder. I like to say he leaves the, he leaves the enemy just a, a seat at the table, right? He leaves this crack. And imagine the surprise. We're going to pick this up in Scripture. When we read last week, man, we left off. We cut the sermon in half. And remember last week, Balaam was probably like, man, I'm really happy I kept praying about this situation. 
Because God changed his answer. You remember that last week? So here we go, Numbers chapter 22. This is right where we left off last week. Verse 21, Balaam got up in the morning, he saddled his donkey, and he went with the Moabite officials. But here we go, look what happens. Verse 22, but God was very angry when he went. Excuse me? Did we catch that, church? Like God already, God already said not to go. Balaam continues to pray. He prays about it again, and he's probably like, man, I'm glad I kept praying because God changed his answer. I'm, I'm, glad, I kept, I'm glad I kept asking, right? Should I go with him and think about cursing your chosen covenant people, right? I'm glad I kept asking. So what's going on in this passage? What's the, the truth of the matter here. There's something I want to I point out. Remember that scripture from last week that said, the power of sin is the law. Do you remember that passage? If you were here, somebody just nod and smile. It goes quicker, I promise, right? right? Uh, the, the, the power of sin is the law. And really, this scripture talks about if we are only concerned with the rules, and if we are only concerned with God's laws... Well, there's a problem with that because that's why we needed Jesus, because laws never address the heart issue that is going on with people. Here's something that might surprise you, but I hope maybe it sticks with you a bit. Would you write this down in your notes this morning if you're taking notes or if you're using your thumbs? Anybody, any, anybody a speed texter with your thumbs? All right, get ready. Set your thumbs on fire. Here it goes. Would you write this down? If we really covet something and God has made it his opinion clear on the matter, He's made his opinion clear by scripture, by his word, or through prayer. Yet we still covet something. Yet we still desire something. And his will is clear on the subject matter. God will often give it to us. Did you hear that, church? If we covet something so much, and it's the opposite of God's will, right? Whether it's a relationship, whether it's a shortcut, whether it's something at work, whatever it is, those, those little areas of compromise, God will often give it to us or he will allow us to have what is not best for us. He'll allow us to have it. He'll allow us to experience it. That kind of sounds like, 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 like a little head scratching this morning, doesn't it? But there's some truth to that in Scripture. I want to give you a couple examples. Number one, the first one. Here's some fulfilled requests that were against God's will. Something God allowed people to have, yet it wasn't a part of his desire or his plan for his people. Remember the first time, remember when Israel wanted a king, right? They, they went to the prophet Samuel at the time. He was the man that was, that was in relationship with God. He was the go-between between the people. And the leaders came to him and said, we want a king. Look at 1 Samuel uh, chapter 8, verse 5. They said, Samuel, give us a king. And this is interesting to me, too. It says, give us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. Would you underline that? Would you circle that in your notes? Like all the other nations have. Samuel, give us a king like all the other nations have. This could be a teaching for another time. But I see, don't we see this culturally? We even see this inside the church. This desire, like we, we want to be like everyone else. And yet as followers of Christ, no, 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 no. He made us to stand out. He made us to be different. He made us to act different, to talk different, to look different because of our relationship with Jesus. Well, Samuel went on and he decided to, to discuss this with the people. He said, you, you, I'm telling you, you don't want a king. 
You don't need a king. You don't want a king. You have a king, right? This king is going to make you fight for him. This king will draft your sons, right? He'll take them into battle. That your, your sons will die for this king. Samuel tells the people, a king will do what kings do. And they still do it today. They will tax the heck out of you. Right? Somebody say amen. Right? Right? That's, he warns them. He says, a king is going to tax you. A king is, is going to make you do work for him. Israel, are you sure you want a king? I don't think you know what you're asking for. I don't think you know what is best for you. It is not my will for you. A king is going to take the best of everything. A, 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 a king is going to create a royal court. And guess what happens at the royal court? They get the best parties. They get the best food. They get the best everything. They get the best of the fields, the crop, the lands, the, the cattle. They get the choice meats, whatever it is, right? Are you sure you want a king? Because all the best stuff's going to go to the king. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 19. Here is their response. But the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. They refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Even so, we still want a king, they said. And then they said it again. Here it is. We want to be like other nations around us. We want to be like everyone else. So the Lord, he took this to prayer. Or Samuel took this to the Lord in prayer. And he said, Lord, they, they still want a king. I, I can't talk them out of this. Even though a king for Israel was not God's will, look what happens. Look what God says. Verse 22, 1 Samuel chapter 8. Do as they say and give them a king. See, often in Scripture we see, even though our desires don't necessarily line up with God's will, that God often gives us what we covet. Or could we say it like this, allows us to have or experience that which we covet. Even, even though, oftentimes, the thing we covet, it's not going to be good for us. It might be fun for a time, it might be pleasurable for a season, but in the end, it may not be good for us. So the Israelites got their king. And Samuel's prophecy came true because in the end, they, they begged for deliverance from their own kings. They, they begged for relief from the kings which they so badly desired down the road when you trace the fall of Israel. But God would not bail them out. God, at that time, would not help them. The kings of Israel would do all those things, the taxes, the lands, the battles. They would do all the things that Samuel warned them about. Another story in Scripture you might be aware of, the prodigal son. Right? There is no way on earth that father, are we familiar with that story, right? If you are, we kind of know it in, in, in church often, right? There's this son that wants an advancement on his inheritance. He says, Dad, I know you haven't croaked yet, but I want what's mine. I want your money, basically. Great son, right? In this story. He says, I know you're still around, but I know I have an inheritance and I want it in advance. Clearly the father in this story, we can know that he knew this son was not ready for what he was asking for. Just him asking it in the first place shows where this son's heart is at. But it's interesting, the father grants this request 
even though he knew his son wasn't ready for that blessing. And we hear this similar result oftentimes, and we even see it in our own lives when we run after those things that, it, that God does not desire for us to have or at the wrong timing. We see the son, he ends up in despair. We see the son at the end of this story, he ends up in sorrow. He ends up at such a low point. And on a family Sunday, get this, this is disgusting. This son in this parable ends up hanging out with pigs in a pig's pen. He ends up eating the slop, the same food for dinner that the pigs are eating, is what he begins to eat for nourishment. He's in bad shape. It's interesting, since the beginning of time, God has granted people the freedom of choice, doesn't he? He gives us the ability to choose, right? Even when we choose what's against his desire, he still gives us a choice, even though those choices can hurt us. Well, let's get back to our, our main player today. Can we read some scripture before we, we close up this morning? Numbers chapter 22, and we're going to read all the way up to verse 34. So if you get that ready, verse 21, here we go. Balaam, he got up in the morning. He got the response he wanted. He saddled his donkey and went with the Moabite officials. But God was very angry when he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with the sword drawn, <laughs> take note of that, the sword was in his hand and it was drawn, it was ready to go. The donkey turned off the road took a left-hand turn into a field. Balaam beat the donkey to get it back on the road. Let's break down this story right here. Take a stop in verse 23. Suddenly, there is an angel. God says, all right, Balaam, you want to go so bad with this crew? You're gonna, you're, I have to keep telling you to listen to me. You want to go? Okay, fine, go. So Balaam, I think, wakes up. Okay, cool. God changed his mind. Look what happens. An angel shows up ready to take action, ready to lay the smack down on this prophet, right? Ready, this out of sync prophet, he's going to lay the smack down on him. It's going to be a quick battle. And folks, this is, not a, this is not a wimpy, cute angel, right? This is not the old man with the angel wings from Tangled at the end of the movie. This is not a Gerber baby commercial, baby with wings floating in the clouds type angel. This is a battle-hardened warrior, people-slaying, Balaam-slaying angel with his sword drawn, ready to strike. This is a massive being. I think of like a superhero type powers, right? He is ready to strike this out-of-sync prophet. And boom, right then, God opens the eyes of the donkey, and it is the prequel to Shrek. Shrek, get out of the way, right? That's what happens. God opens the eyes of the donkey, and later we're going to see that the donkey begins to speak. Verse 24, then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. Look at this guy, all right? He's going to blame the ant. He's going to keep beating the donkey. The angel moved to a different place on the road after Balaam forced his donkey back on the road. 
And the donkey ain't having it. The donkey is not down for it. The donkey's, he's like, my eyes are open, Balaam. This, this being, this supernatural warrior is here to kill you. Verse 26, would you read it with me? Then the angel of the Lord moved again. He moved on ahead and he stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn. I think of a narrow place. Anybody been hiking in the Zion Narrows where it's beautiful and then all of a sudden it gets real tight, right? These thousand foot cliffs on each side. Think of if this was a narrow, a narrow walkway right here. There's nowhere to hide. There was no room to turn, either to the right or to the left. Look at verse 27 with me. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam. And he was very angry. And he beat it with his staff. This time there was nowhere to go. The, the gap was so narrow. The, the, the Bible says the donkey, guess what he did? He just sat down. The donkey just laid down. He said, I ain't getting up. I'm, I'm not taking one more step towards that disaster that's awaiting us. Look at verse 28. The Lord opened the donkey's mouth. And it said to Balaam, can anyone do an Eddie Murphy impression right now? That would just work really well with this scripture, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? I think that would be amazing, but I'm not going to do it. You guys would it'd be too many dad jokes in the house, right? Look at what the donkey said, church. He said, what have I done to make you beat me these three times? 29, Balaam answered the donkey. You've made a fool of me. I have my two servants with me. You've made me look like a fool. If only I had my sword in my hand, I would kill you right now, donkey. Verse 30, the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. They begin to have this intense conversation right there on the road. The donkey's mouth is open. And, and can you imagine what the servants are thinking? Back and forth, this, this conversation with the donkey, right? I, I, called, I named this sermon title. If you catch it, this sermon title is called A Really Smart Donkey. Now, parents, it's Family Sunday, so I'll leave it at that. Verse 31 it happens. The Lord opens up the eyes of the prophet. The Lord opens up the eyes of this out of sync, out of touch prophet. He, he, he's out of touch with the heart of God. Verse 31, let's read it together. The Lord opened Balaam's eyes. And now he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. And let's look at Balaam finally smartens up a little bit. It says, so he bowed low. And he fell face down. Notice that he bowed low and he fell face down. He wasn't messing around with what he had seen. Verse 32, the angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. I think that's interesting. God says, I have come here to oppose you because this is a reckless path. You are partake, you are a journey, you are going forth on. Verse 33, he says, the donkey saw me, Balaam, and he turned away from me these three times. If it had not turned away, I certainly would have killed you by now, but I would have spared your donkey. I would have spared it. 
Look at this church. The donkey saved Balaam's life three separate times. You would think, I'm just going out on a limb, and I would hope this would be everyone's response in the room. But I think Balaam is such a, I don't even know what he is. His heart is so disconnected from the Lord. Maybe he's, he's the greatest narcissist on the planet. Has anybody known a narcissist where they are, they are so good at getting what they want? Right? They're so good at just wearing you out and getting what they want. I don't know what it is, but look at what Balaam does here in just a moment. Because I would think, if my donkey starts talking to me, you know, I would feel one way or another. I would, if my donkey, and then to top it off, if I see this nine foot, ten foot tall warrior angel, angel with a sword drawn, the last thing I am going to do is continue to go down the path of destruction. The last thing I'm going to do is even ask if that's something you would want me to do, right? I am going to turn my donkey around, thank him, right? And be like, you never have to work another day in your life, right? I'm going to turn around, take my butt back home. I'm going to lock my door. I would not answer it for any, any of King Balak's, the king of, of, of Moab. I would not answer the door. I'd say, don't send me any more messengers. I don't want your money. I don't want your time. I don't even want to hear what you have to say because my donkey started talking and that angel was ready to kill me. I like myself too much, right? I'm out of here. But look at what Balaam does. He doesn't say, I'm not interested in your money. I'm not in. Look at what Balaam says, verse 34. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. Which, no kidding, Sherlock, right? Good job. Which is a good thing. You read this and you kind of like, there's a lot of things that we think might, they're almost, they could be disguised as being admirable actions that Balaam takes. He says, Lord, I have sinned. How many of you know that's a good thing to admit our sin? That's a good starting point. Good job. Like, I mean, it really is, right? Repentance, we need to do it. He says, Lord, I didn't realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. But now the narcissi narcissistic Balaam shows back up. Now his heart motives come out. Because he apologizes, but then he still wants to get what he wants. Look at what he says. Now if you are displeased... I will go back. Would you underline that, circle that in your notes? Now, if you are displeased, I will go back. Right? There's a good thing he says, Lord, I have sinned. That's great. That's awesome. But then look at this double talk. Lord, if you are displeased, I will go back. That is a two-letter word that just makes me want to smash my head against the wall. If you are displeased... No, I just opened up the mouth of a donkey. I just sent my angel to whack you, right? What do you, do you think the Lord is happy about this, Balaam? If, what do you mean if? What do you mean if you are displeased? If, if, that's a big if. God just sent an angel to kill you. Balaam, this heart attitude, this, this kind of tolerance of little like, man, it's just a little thing. It's not going to hurt. This, this kind of attitude that, that we develop from time to time. Balaam, what is it going to take for me to get your attention? Balaam so badly wants to get what he wants. His view is so skewed by his own deception that he can't see what's clearly right in front of him. Destruction, right? And how many of you know 
when you meet someone who is so disconnected, discombobulated from the heart of God, right? It's so easy to sometimes recognize sin and call it what it is. But sometimes people, we get, we get so far away from God's heart that we can't clearly see the discipline, the problems that are, that are laying right down the road, the things that are coming. And that's exactly what happens. Balaam is totally blind to the angel's presence. He's totally blind to God's heart. And that's what happens when our desires outweigh obedience. Oftentimes, right, that's exactly what happens. We get so disconnected. Not only do we not recognize the presence of God, but we fail to recognize the heart of God. That's what happened to this out-of-sync prophet. When laws triumph over relationship, because laws can never change a heart, right? I, I opened up this series last week saying, does obedience to God's commandments, to God's laws, right, does it make you feel constrained or does, does obedience make you feel delighted? Right? In our walk with him, he is so good. What he wants for us is so amazing. What he wants for your situation, for your work life, for your family. He wants to bless you. And man, his, his requirements and his rules are set up for success, for ultimate blessing. What's obvious to us What's obvious to everybody in the thousands of years since this story was written down on paper, right? The prophet of God is totally oblivious to what is totally obvious to the reader. The obedient, we see the problem very clearly. But yet Balaam, this, this attitude that he has, he continues to get and seek after God's approval of things that are against his will. I'm sure if Balaam would have been a prophet that embraced the heart of God, oh my goodness, what would he have been known for? But you know what the Bible records about this man? This would be an interesting study. It'd be fun to just even like, if we picked it up on a Wednesday or during the week, this would be an interesting study to talk about this out of sync prophet. The Bible records that this man never turns away from his idolatry. He never, he never turns away from this desire to be known. He never turns away from this internal desire for status. He never turns away from this desire for power. He's this prophet for hire type man. And it's almost as if God says, it's almost as if he says to Balaam, Balaam, if, if above all else, if in your heart, if you covet so much to be known, if that's what you desire, you, you want to be known more than you want to know me, then I'm going to give you exactly your heart's desire. And you're going to be known as a prophet. You're going to be known as a disconnected prophet. You're going to be known as, as a man who would bring ruin upon the Israelites. Are you sure, Balaam, this is what you want to be known for? Because you're going to be known forever as a prophet who did not understand or see the heart of God. Joshua chapter 13, verse 22. This is kind of quick, but here's what happens to this man, Balaam. It says, the Israelites also killed Balaam, son of Beor, who used magic to tell the future. He was a prophet that knew of God, recognized Yahweh, but did not have relationship 
You know what's interesting? Any parents in the house, just throw your hands up in the air, shake them around like you don't care, right? Parents in the house, here's an honest question. No earthly parent. I think we all could agree on this. None of us, right? If you have kiddos, grandparents, raise your hands, right? We never desire for our kids, our grandkids, we never desire for them to learn something the hard way, do we? Simple, right? We, I mean, the love of a mother, the love of a father. We, 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 we do not desire for our kids to learn something the hard way. But the reality with our Heavenly Father, because we are made in His image, if our desires don't line up with God's Word, if our desires don't line up with God's heart, then sometimes God may give you exactly what you are after. That very desire, that very relationship, right? He might give you exactly what it is you want. But the truth is, it might be really, really fun for a while. It might be hot for a while. It might be exciting for a while. But the Bible says, like any sin, it's pleasurable for a season, but then it gives birth to death. Right? God may allow you to have the very thing you covet, but it won't always lead to the blessing you want. Sometimes it will lead to unpleasant circumstances. Sometimes it will lead to painful situations. Sometimes it will lead to God's discipline. But if we follow him, the Bible says to follow him in a blessed path. You know what's interesting? There's nothing wrong with desiring things. But often, and having dreams, having a, wanting to have a family, different things that, that God puts on our heart. Right? But what's interesting to me is when our desires line up with God's principles... In time, they will come, and the blessing is greater than anything we could ever understand or imagine or even think that it was capable of. But we have to align our desires with his desires. We have to align our path with his plans. God, lead me according to your purposes and not my own purposes. Somebody say amen, right? God, lead me according to your plan. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you today for this gathering, for the church. Lord, there is so much happening around us. Lord, we realize that this story of Balaam, God, it helps us see that little sins can have a big hurt. God, this belief of Balaam is very present in culture today, and even sometimes it's, it's present in my mindset, and it's present in the church, it's present in our mindset. This belief that a little sin doesn't really hurt. This belief that there's a little shortcut I can take, there's a little 10 minutes I can fudge at work, there's a little gain to be made here. This attitude of compromise is very present. This theology of Balaam's lifestyle is very present. But Romans 6.16 says, God, don't, it says, don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Lord, help us remember that we are called to be different. Lord, help us remember we are called to stand out. Forgive us, God, when we fall into that trap, that mindset that says, I just want to be like everyone else. I just want to get along like everyone else. I just want to 
look like everyone else. The Israelites wanted to look like the nations around them. But God wants his people set apart. God wants his people to be holy because I am holy, holy for him. God, help us stand and live and walk and speak, sometimes even using words. Help us speak your truth without compromise. God, always in kindness, but without compromise. God, give us the courage and the wisdom to never compromise your truth for the sake of popularity, for the sake of personal gain, for the sake of money. God, your truth, help us to stand on it. We started off this series with the story in Genesis chapter 4, where God said to Cain, he said, you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door. Lord, help us in our desires and our plans and our dreams and our hopes. God, help us desire to do what is right according to your plan, your purposes, because we are called to be holy because you are holy. In Jesus' name, all God's people prayed this morning. Can we say amen? Amen. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, you can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with friends, share it with family. Help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.